Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's going on, everyone? And welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings and Raycon. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Steven. And it's that time of year, folks. It's that time of year where you we have we have a little bit of a of a um, shared custody thing going on right now. We're not you don't get mom and dad today. You're just getting dad today. And I hope that nobody ever refers to me as dad ever after I've said that. That was really unfortunate. Unless I guess I have a child. I guess they can call me dad. I, I think that you. would be the appropriate time to call you dad, right? Like yeah, that, that would make sense. Correct. Absolutely. I feel good about that, but welcome in, everybody. It is time for our exit interviews, our favorite time of the year. You know how much Laura and I love these, and it's the only two episodes we ever record where both of us aren't here. So, Laura, shout out to you. Hope you're having a good day. Um, I'm going to still ask you how you're doing. Hope you're doing well, uh, but obviously you're not here to respond, so I'm just going to assume that you're having a great Sunday as we're recording this with Steven. But, Steven, I'm going to ask you before we dive into it, before we tell everybody what this is all about. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Doing pretty great. It's been a really productive weekend of a lot of stuff going on. Um, But it's been a really nice weekend of weather outside too here in Columbus. So that's been enjoyable. A little bit of rain, but otherwise life is good right now. Yeah, it's probably a little bit more productive than the weekend that you had the weekend before, huh? Really have to say that it's more productive. Yeah, absolutely. In a different way, though. I feel like last weekend was productive in a more social aspect, whereas this weekend is more of like, got to catch up on a little bit of life stuff. And sometimes you got to strike that balance. That is true. Yeah. What we're referring to is last weekend, we were in Nashville, uh, home of Steven's favorite NHL hockey team. And of course, home of his bachelor party. So we were down there, exciting stuff. Only what, two months until you're a married man? Less than, it's like a month and a half. 35 days. Who am I to not? Yeah, who am I to not expect that you and Rachel have a countdown going on? Like, I should have known that. Absolutely. She's on her final day of uh, veterinary school rotations, too. So in five days, she'll be a doctor. So, so many exciting things going on right now. Come on. You're going to have to listen. You might have to take her last name. <laughs> you might have to be Dr. Rachel Wilson and Mr. Rachel Wilson. Honestly, if one person in a partnership becomes a doctor i feel like that should be the rule you have to take the doctor's last name right like i think that only makes sense they put in the work right (laughs) fair enough but now i'm just giving you hell congratulations rachel though that's amazing i'm so excited for her but all right well we'll stop bantering about all of our personal life stuff even though i'm sure the folks love hearing about it and we'll dive into what we all know and love is And that is our exit interview segment that we do every year at the conclusion of every season. As you all know, the players will usually meet with upper-level management and coaching staff, although this year that was probably a little bit different for the Blue Jackets considering that the coaching staff was let go, but or some of the coaching staff, I should say. And so we kind of do a similar thing here every year. This is the third time we've done it, and all three times, um, Stephen Shrek, our good friend, has served as our interviewer and has, you know, led these conversations and we're excited to have him back here, but we're going to talk about all sorts of things. Steven has prepared a series of questions that neither Laura nor myself have 
any idea what they are. So this is going to be just as much of a surprise for you all as it is for me. And I'm excited for it. Hopefully it'll provide an opportunity for me to give some pretty fun and, and authentic answers. But Stephen, how are you feeling? You got some good questions for us? I got some good questions for you both. I think, you know, I didn't want to recreate the wheel from last year. If anyone has listened to last year's exit interviews with Jeremy and Laura last year, Laura went first and provided all of her answers. And then Jeremy followed up with his answers. So a lot of similar questions from last year, but compared to last season, probably very different answers and very different perspectives. And so, to jump right in, Jeremy, are you ready for your exit interview for the Blue Jackets 2022-23 season? I sure am, my friend. Lay it on me. All right, let's do it. So much like last year, we are going to divide up this interview in three different parts, just like a hockey game in three different periods. So we're going to start off talking about the season that was. Unfortunately, I have to use the word was and not is, and we're still sure. in uh, playoff hockey right now. Mm-hmm. The season that was talking about the upcoming off season and transition to next season. And then a little bit of time to brag about the podcast here itself, subjectively speaking, but let's jump into the first period talking about the season that was. So I want to start off first by telling a very quick recap, if you will, of the season and then jumping into our first question. Do we have to we do have the recap to. of the season? We have to, because Probably. I feel like it's an important foundation to lay. Uh, they um, all know. Uh, Don't hurt them. Don't hurt them more. I know. That is, that's very true. This season was a tough one for Blue Jackets and Blue Jackets fans alike on the fifth line. So Blue Jackets finished the season 25-48-9, total of 59 points and 31st place in the NHL. Story of the season comes in this quote. Columbus set a franchise record with 563 man games lost to injury. Story of the season for the Blue Jackets, ridden with injuries from the very start. And so, Jeremy, with this foundation in mind, first question, much the same as last year, thinking about the season as a whole, what overall grade would you provide for the Blue Jackets this season? Oh, yeah. I mean, it can't be a good one, right? Like it can't, it just simply can't be good. I mean, I think the thing that is true is, you know, if you're talking about it in a vacuum, if you're not thinking about the ways in which this team faced adversity with injuries, things like that, it's obviously an F. It's a big fat F. And I, I think a lot of that is also informed by some of that, you know, unrealistic expectations coming into the season after acquiring Johnny Gaudreau and, you know, having a a season like last year where I think the Jackets overperformed to a certain extent. I think that they found ways to win hockey games that they didn't deserve to win in 2021, 2022. And I think it gave people the idea that maybe this team was going to be competitive this year. And I think that they had potential to be a little bit competitive, right? But when you lose players like Zach Wierenski at the beginning of the season and you're down to only two of your starting six blue liners by the time you hit December, I mean, like it's almost impossible to have a successful season. That being said, I think that there were things that this team could have done even in an injury-riddled season to begin developing some younger guys. And I think some people took a step, right? Like, that's not to say that it's an F for everybody. But when you look at the way that this team vastly underperformed in goaltending, and if you look at the ways in which this team just simply, like, failed to, you know, do a whole heck of a lot at any point during the season, I don't know that they won three games in a row at any point this year. 
And if they did, then I sound like an idiot here. But like, nevertheless, like they just weren't ever able to be consistent. And that's the kind of stuff that you want to start developing at a young age, right? And these players is how can you become consistent? What can you do to become, um, you know, have have night in, night out, same effort, same level of energy. And this team just didn't do it. So I think even with the injuries considered, I think it's an F, right? Like I think that you can almost chalk this up as potentially a year of wasted development for some of these guys, especially if some of what we've heard regarding like the coaching situation was true in terms of players not being pushed, players not being held accountable. That's a year of, of development that might be lost on some guys. And that's a failure right now. I think you're very right in a lot of what you said. It was definitely a struggle for the season in a lot of regards. And, you know, it's hard to, especially, you know, as we move into our next question, thinking about what happened at the trade deadline, right? A lot of veteran players saw their exit from the Blue Jackets organization, including Gavrikov, Nyquist, Corpusalo, and Voracek. And so the Blue Jackets were definitely in a selling position during the trade deadline this time around and picked up a couple of goalies along the way. But thinking about some of that veteran leadership exiting the Blue Jackets in March, what grade would you give the trade deadline? And thinking about losing some of those veteran players, what's some of your take on, you know, what that trade deadline means for the Blue Jackets going forward? Yeah, I think, you know, when I look at this trade deadline, I think there were some folks that thought the Jackets might be active in, in you know, doing some acquiring of future talent and things like that, hopefully not salvaging the future and doing so. I know guys like Jacob Chikorin were, were mentioned in terms of the Blue Jackets uh, you know, as far as, you know, trade deadline targets. And and I think that the Jackets wanted it. Like, But I, I just think that when you look at what they were able to do in acquiring a first round pick and I guess Jonathan quick, technically in that trade with the Kings, you know, I think that that's one hell of a deal. I think being able to, you know, salvage that first round pick by, by combining assets and Jonas Corposal and Vladislav Gavrikov. I don't know that you would have gotten a first round pick for either one of them singularly. Maybe you would have for Vladislav Gavrikov, but I don't know that the jackets were really keen on, on some of the offers that they had for him. And so that was great work to get that done. Good work to, to bring in some goaltending down the stretch, especially considering the fact that Elvis Mosley continued to not stay healthy. And so if they wouldn't have done that, they would have really thrown a wrench into things. And, and the part of that that sucks is like, you thought that maybe acquiring some of those goaltenders was going to be helpful for, for Cleveland, but then you get more players getting hurt up here and, and that didn't help either. And so that was good. I think also like the, the two things that I don't think people talk about very often is I mean, you traded a guy in Gus Nyquist who wasn't going to play another game as a Blue Jacket due to his injury, and you didn't get what you probably deserved for him. You got a fifth-round pick out of Minnesota, but that's better than nothing, especially after the NHL said that they were going to be pretty strict on on trading of, of guys on LTIR to try to circumvent the cap. So I think that's an A to get that. And I think the biggest trade that maybe was made was to – offload Jakub Voracek's contract by sending it to Arizona. I think getting that done provides you a little bit more flexibility going into next year. That's the last year of his deal anyway. So you would have had that flexibility after next season. But I think being able to have that now in going into this offseason, recognizing that you've got some players that you could begin to talk about contract extensions with. You've got some players that you might be targeting in terms of like a Kevin Hayes or something like that who makes a good chunk of money. Obviously, you're not going to want to take his contract for all that it's worth. But, I mean, now you've got, you know, 
upwards of almost, you know, eight, nine million dollars that are free now because of that trade. And that's one that I don't think people talk about a lot. And you didn't really have to lose a lot to get that cap space. So kudos to Yarma on that one. That one was probably my sneaky, sneaky good trade of the of the weekend or of the week. Absolutely. So considering all of that, what would be your overall grade for the trade deadline there? I would say it's a B plus. I, I would say, you know, getting getting those assets and you know finding a way to offload i mean cap cap space is an asset so acquiring that as well it's good work by yarmo i think that i would have liked to have seen them potentially get a proven prospect in the process draft picks i mean they're great don't get me wrong and yarmo kekalainen has proved time and time again that he knows what to do with a draft pick but i think that has potential to like you never know what a draft pick is going to do. And so I think if I would have seen a, maybe a, a little bit of a proven prospect coming back, I would have felt a little bit better about it. That being said, I don't think that it's without possibility that that pick gets traded at some point between now and, and the trade deadline or not the trade deadline, excuse me, the NHL draft. And so if that happens then it might even change the trade, I mean, it's not fair to say that it'll change the trade deadline grade because that is what it is. But if they flip that pick for something that's useful for the jackets, it makes that trade even better. Absolutely. A lot of changes still upcoming to see uh, what might come of that trade deadline, but a lot of good insight there. One of the things that you mentioned in your first question, and also now thinking about all of the changes that have gone on, especially during the trade deadline, but also during the season, that consistency aspect, right? One of the things that you want out of a team is a little bit of consistency, especially with the players on the ice working together. So thinking about that and reflecting on the season as a whole, what do you think was the Blue Jackets' best line of the season? Oh, shit. <laughs> the best line. Steven, um, see, because this is why you're good for not letting us know the questions, because I would have gone into my analytic brain and I would have looked at, like, who was best five on five and this, that, and the other, and I would have pulled it out of my ass and done everything I could. I mean, I – best line of the season i mean part of the issue right is that like you never had consistency in terms of who was playing like and that wasn't even as a result of like people getting moved around for performance or stuff like that it was just like in general right like just people weren't in the lineup and so i think i mean i think it's also an objective or a subjective oops you know i host a podcast that's named subjectively speaking sometimes i still fuck up the definition of subjective and objective that's tough but I think the thing that you have to wonder is like what what defines the best line, right? Like, is that the most productive line? Is that the line that is, you know, your shutdown line that's not letting much happen? Granted, not many of those existed for the Blue Jackets this year. But I think you're hard pressed to not look at the Sean Corrale line and say that that was the most consistent and play like that line played to their strengths the most, I think, out of the team, the most consistently. That said, if you want to talk about like just pure skill and just pure talent and production, like it's hard to not say that when everybody on that line was healthy, that the Boone Jenner, Johnny Gaudreau, and Patrick Laine line wasn't impressive. You know, once you've got players like Kirill Marchenko filling in there too, that looked like a great line. Like, so it's just hard. Like, I mean, even Patrick Laine shifting to center, that created some different dynamic matchups and different lines for the Jackets for the two fucking games that he did it before he got hurt and was out for the rest of the season. 
you know, story of the, of the year. Right. But I think that there's a lot to be said about just like the, again, the adaptability that we saw in all of these players this year to, to play in so many different roles. I think if I had to answer, I would say it's probably that, um, that Sean Corrales, Matthew Olivier, Eric Robinson line. I am not hot on Eric Robinson. Like, I think if people listen to this show, they know that. I don't know that I, he's definitely number three on that list of, of players on that line for me, but I will, I will also throw a couple dollars into the pot to say that that's what Laura's answer is going to be too. So you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, and I think on Friday she's going to tell you the same thing. So we'll see. We'll see. That's the first one I think we'll agree on. But Definitely a lot of different looks that the Blue Jackets had this season in terms of lines, but those names are definitely some that I don't know if I was necessarily anticipating you going that route, but it sounds like your co-host might agree with you. One of the names that you mentioned, though, in there that I want to talk about that was also mentioned in the uh, Blue Jackets end-of-season numbers, which I always love looking at the season by the numbers that the Blue Jackets organization puts out. You mentioned Marchenko, and one of the things that they wrote about was the fact that he was one of the brightest spots of the season for the Blue Jackets, and he posted 21 goals this season to reset the team's rookie goal scoring record, passing the mark set by PLD back in 2017-2018 of 20. And so with that in mind, would you say that he's the player that exceeded your expectations this season? Or is there someone else that might take that mantle for you? That's a really good question. I'm going to come back to it because I want to answer it, of course. But um, you gave me too much time between that question and and this one to look up the Blue Jackets' productivity in their lines this year. And Johnny Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, and Patrick Laine were were that you know top line for the Jackets. But their expected goal share was only 48.1%, so it's still bad. It's like still not good. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. Okay, moving on. Yes, back to back to the question about players exceeding my expectations. I think there are a few of those guys, right? Because I mean, like Karel Marchenko, uh, an incredible year, right? Like he only play as many games as he did, and and still set that Blue Jacket scoring record for for rookies. It's great work by him. But then I think you have to look at like some of these players that like never would I have imagined that they were going to be playing games in the NHL this year, right? Like you look at players like a Tim Bernie, who I thought had a pretty respectable campaign with Columbus this year. And those are players that like, it's hard to say that they didn't exceed expectations, right? Because clearly they do. But I think if you're looking at just strictly the players that you thought were going to be here, I think he did, right? Because to me, I also didn't even think that this was going to be a season for him in Columbus. When he got sent down to Cleveland at the start of the season, I respected that. I thought that was a good call. I thought that was a good way for the Jackets to try to, you know, develop some some talent and let him experience North American hockey for the first time down in the AHL where he was going to be getting really great and meaningful minutes and he was going to be impressive there. But I think he's somebody who... I expected to be in Cleveland. And so I guess for that reason, of course he exceeded my expectations because he played in the NHL and he set a rookie scoring record. I think another player that like kind of gets overshadowed in this whole conversation about like rookie seasons is Kent Johnson. Like not to say that Kent Johnson exceeded or didn't exceed or whatever have you expectations, but I think he did things that I didn't expect for him to this year. Like I think that he contributed to the play in more than just his scoring, which I thought was, uh, like I appreciated that. 
And I, you could also say that Matthew Olivier exceeded expectations. Like I thought that was a guy that was going to be in Cleveland, but I think overall number one exceeder of expectations is probably Kromarjenko. I think you're, you're spot on with that, Steven. Definitely the two talking points. I feel like starting this postseason were the seasons that Kirill Marchenko and Ken Johnson both had for the Blue Jackets. Definitely shining um, for the Blue Jackets this season. In a season that there wasn't much too much too much to really talk about or write home about, right? But speaking of shining, as always, when it comes to the Blue Jackets and it comes to hockey, we have to talk about stars of the season. Right. And so hmm. to round out our first period of action here in the exit interview. Oh, are you going to ask me my three stars for the year? Much as last season, I want to know your three stars of the season. So your three stars, two stars and one star. Um, and, you know, Ooh. last year there were a couple of ties between players. So are there players that stand out at each star or will there be ties again? But your three stars of the season for the Blue Jackets. Okay, yeah, no, I refuse. I refuse to have ties. Laura might not refuse. Laura might might choose violence. But I shall not. I think it's pretty pretty cut and dry here. I would say my third star is Johnny Gaudreau. I think, obviously, he, even in a season like this where the Jackets were, you know, hot garbage at times, to still have 74 points and 80 games played is impressive. I, I think... You know, you take him out of this offense this year and holy shit. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that would have been rough. If you look at his seasons across the board, I mean, this is a, a top five season for him, I think. Let me just make sure I'm not a liar here. Uh, he had 78 points in 15, 16, 84 and 17, 18. So that's two that are better. 99, 18, 19, and 115 last year. So 74 this year. I mean, that's a sizable decrease. But that being said, though, you look at who he played with in Calgary versus who he was playing with in Columbus most of this year with injuries. And I think that's still pretty respectable. It's a top five season for him. And that's what you want out of him. If you're, if you're the blue jackets, you need somebody who's going to consistently provide offense. And he did that this year, even in a rough season. My second star is Boone Jenner. That's a guy who is your, he's your grit, right? Like he is your identity as a team. Like he is the player that, when, when nothing else is working, like he's still the one showing up and he's still the one pushing others to be better and challenging them to be better and is leading by example every step of the way. It didn't matter that this team was out of it come the last few games of the season. This guy, you know, we didn't know it at the time, right? But like when Laura and I interviewed him there in early April, the guy was suffering from an upper body injury and you know, went out on the ice that night against New York, played again, and, and that was his last game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. And so, like, that, like, the Jackets were so solidly out of the playoffs and so solidly out of anything. And realistically speaking, him not being on the ice would have actually probably been a help to the Blue Jackets. And yet he still he still ends up getting on the ice and, and you know, playing one hell of a season for the, for the team and coming close again to setting records this year. And I think he would have probably done it if he was healthy. Number one, I think it goes back to your last question about, you know, who exceeded expectations, and it's Kromarchenko. I think not even just for what he brought onto the ice, but also what he brought off of the ice. I think in a lot of ways, his energy and his excitement for the year and his accomplishments lifted the morale of this fan base in a way that I don't think I was expecting to happen. And that's awesome. Like, I think any chance that you get to have a player in the room that's going to do that for you, that's going to speak highly of your club and of your city, that's a plus. And for him to do everything he did on the ice, 
another plus. He's somebody who I don't know if he's ever going to really like lead the league in assists, but this man is going to find a way to score. And he's going to be important for the Jackets. And once you launched him into, an, or I should say plugged him into the Blue Jackets special teams units, those power plays, I mean, the power play for the Jackets improved drastically with him on the ice. And that that's with all the injuries to all those star forwards that we were talking about, Patrick Laine, you know, Boone Jenner at times. Like that's, and without a guy like Zach Orensky quarterbacking the power play, like that's awesome. Like that is exactly what you want to see. And I'm happy for him. And I, I can't wait to see what next year has in store for him. He's going to be my number one star this year. Fun fact last year, your two star player, Boone Jenner. So he's made a return into the three stars back-to-back seasons for you. Good but work. Number one star going to Kirill Marchenko. And so that leads us into our first intermission. And so last year, I took an opportunity to ask both of you what your favorite game of the season was. This year, I have a fact for you. The Blue Jackets yeah. beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in overtime 3-2 to two uh... on April 13th, beating them for the first time in the regular season since November 29th of 2019. Jeremy, why or why not was that your favorite game of this season for the Blue Jackets? Fuck that game. Fuck that game. You know exactly what you're doing, asshole. You know exactly what you're doing. You're wrong. You're my brother. What kind of brotherly love kind of thing is this? Um, I hate it. I hate it. I mean, like, if you think about it, right? Like, you think about all the games that the Jackets should have won against Pittsburgh back in the day over the course of the last few years. Like, it's just... God damn, like a, a game that should be ha- like you should be happy to win that game. And it's just like you look at it now and it's confirmed that's the game that keeps the jackets out of having the best odds for Connor Bedard. And let me tell you, if you ask me that question on May 9th and the Blue Jackets have won the draft lottery, that's a fucking awesome game. I'm happy it happened. Go, Jackets. Fuck the pens. But if they don't, and Anaheim does, fuck that game. Um, and I guess I should say. I say that jokingly, but I also say that recognizing that this whole thing is a lottery regardless and five percentage points is still only five percentage points. That's still, you know, uh, you know, what quick math, 71.5% chance that you're not going to get the first overall pick. And so I don't know, 71.5 versus 76.5 probably isn't all that drastically different in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, that game sucked, but hopefully after the eighth, we'll be able to say, ah, that was a great game. (laughs) That is the hope, right? So is there a game that stands out to you, though, as being one of your favorite games, either that you went to or just a a favorite game to reflect back on for the season? I mean, for me, like, it has to be that first game in Finland. Like, I, I can't really, you know what I mean? Like, there aren't enough words to talk about like what that trip was and what that trip meant to me uh, to be able to go there and, and spend it with some really, really fucking cool people. But I think in terms of like the game itself, that's probably, I mean, like that game rivals that of the blue jackets sweeping the lightning for me. Like that game is still one. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> But that game, I mean, like, there's something so wild about just being in a space where there are tens of thousands of people potentially seeing an NHL game for the first time ever. I mean, like, sure, there were people who made the trip from from America, 
to to come and see the Avalanche and the Blue Jackets play in Finland. But for the most part, you've got these kids, right? Like you've got kids standing behind the bench at the warmups, and they're like just chanting Miko Rantanen's name, uh, Patrick Laine's name. The the Finns were just getting so much love from these kids. That's their heroes, right? Like, and you got to watch like. 10,000 people fall in love with NHL hockey and and probably fall in love with the Jackets and the Avalanche. Like, that was so cool, right? And to just take that whole atmosphere in was just insane. Um, to just listen to the Finns proudly singing their national anthem and it just was like, I like I cried over it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you. Like, I was like in tears over that and that game was actually a competitive game too, which was part of it. Like that's part of what made that fun as well is that it was actually worth watching, but that second game was, was rough, but that the whole like pomp and circumstance of it all and just being there in that building and seeing it happen was just really cool. And I don't know that I'll ever have a hockey experience like that ever again, unless I get the chance to go to another global series game. I'm sure the jackets will be back in one at some point, but God, that was amazing like and i don't think i reflect on it enough i don't think i spent enough time like thinking about just how cool that was so that has to be my number one on the year a great experience definitely one to continue reflecting on and we will probably do so a little bit more towards the end of our exit interview when we talk about some highlights from this past year that was for you all and for the podcast but right now our next question for this short intermission is asking about playoff hockey currently going on because we need some predictions from you on who you think the Stanley Cup matchup will be and who will eventually lift the Stanley Cup at the end of this season. Okay, so now you're testing my integrity because <laughs> because I had originally said here at, um, you know, we recorded an episode a few weeks ago where we had said that you know, we went through our, our playoff predictions and all that kind of stuff. And my my Stanley Cup final was the uh, Edmonton Oilers and the Boston Bruins. And I, Edmonton, w- just won their series last night. We're recording this on Sunday. So they won their series on Saturday against the, um, against the Kings. Uh, so shout out to the Oilers for also helping the Jackets in their draft stock there. Appreciate you. But I think the... The Bruins thing is making me nervous. Um, they're currently, you know, by the time this episode gets released on Tuesday, like we'll know what's going on. The first round will be over. And hell, by the time Laura's episode comes out, I think we'll have some second round games already playing. But but I think I still have to stick with it. Like I have to think that they're going to beat the beat the Panthers tonight in, in Boston. If they don't, man, oh, man, holy shit, if they don't. I It just like they have to win that game. And I think that they're I, – I still think that they are – the most competitive team in the East, regardless of how, you know, Florida has, has given them a run for their money. Florida came into the playoffs so hot, like so hot. It's not super unfamiliar or, um, you know, dissimilar than the Jackets coming into the playoffs in 2019, having to win a bunch of games, playing playoff hockey for the last month of their season, and then starting playing the playoffs against a team who's basically known they're going to win the president's trophy since February. And so I think that that's part of the challenge that Boston had here, but I still think Boston is, is the better team in the East. And so I think it's going to be them. And I think if it comes down to it, I mean, I've picked Boston. And so again, I'm going to stick with Boston, but Edmonton, if that series happens that way, Edmonton's going to give them a run for their money. And I'm excited to see that. I think there's a lot of really cool and fun matchups coming. Uh, I just think Carolina doesn't inspire me too much. They're not going to make 
enough noise to beat the the Bruins. I don't think. I don't think this. The Maple Leafs look okay, so maybe they will, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Also, shout out to those motherfuckers. Good for them. Finally breaking that curse of, you know, however long it's been since winning a playoff series. Um, has to feel nice. So we'll see what the playoffs continue to hold for us. A lot of, at this moment of recording, a lot of series standing at 3-3 right now so between the panthers and bruins kraken and avalanche and rangers and devils over the next two days from now we'll have those answers by the time like you said the episode comes out but those will be a lot of intriguing matchups to watch in game seven Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Right now, the top two teams, odds-on favorites to win the Stanley Cup, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers. You might want to go check that out and put some money down if it's something that sounds interesting to you. The Maple Leafs at a plus 350 to win the Stanley Cup and the Oilers at a plus 450 two Canadian teams sitting there at the top of those odds. So if that sounds interesting to you, go check it out. And if you want to see all the different game props, all that kind of stuff, you're going to want to check out DraftKings Sportsbook. You're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of the Boo Hill Casino and Resort. 21 and up in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for offer details. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. All right, everybody, let's face it. With coffee starting at $5, and, and that's without any customization. I'm an oat milk guy myself, so, like, add another dollar there. But our bank accounts somehow always are depleting, and we're officially entering a dupe session. Most products do the exact same thing, but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So a good duplicate, or a dupe, is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. And one dupe that you definitely should not sleep on are Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen on to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. Maybe you're somebody who just can't justify spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on headphones, and I'm with you. I'm the same kind of guy. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of these other more big-name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And folks, there's so many features that I just can't stop talking about in terms of Raycon's wireless earbuds. You've got three customizable sound profiles, so whether you, you want to listen to music a certain kind of way, you want to listen to podcasts a certain kind of way, you can set those up yourself. They have awareness mode, and not to mention they've got eight hours of playtime, which for me, as somebody who always forgets to charge things, that's perfect. So 
you're going to want to buy these. You're going to want to buy these. And to do so, you're going to go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Now back to the exit interviews. So heading into now our second period of action, talking about the end of season and the off season for the Blue Jackets. And I would be remiss if I didn't include a question about the coaching situation of the Blue Jackets, right? Brad Larson out as head coach, Manny Legace out as goaltending coach. So when you think about the Blue Jackets, where the organization is at, the season that they just had, the Lars bar was not around for as long as people thought they would after a 37 and 38 season last year, right? So when you think about all of that being considered and new coaches coming in, A, where do the Blue Jackets go from here? from a coaching standpoint in their organization, but also when the Blue Jackets do bring in a new coach, what do you want to see out of the new coach? Who would you like to see on the bench this season if there's any particular names that come to mind? But in particular, what do you want that locker room presence to be from a head coach for the Blue Jackets next season? I think they need somebody. I mean, like, yeah, to your point about Brad, like, great guy. The Lars bar was set and it was apparently a lot lower than I think we realized, <laughs> unfortunately. And shout out if you're one of the like four people that bought a Lars bar shirt, appreciate you. But I, I think like when you look at what this team needs moving forward, you've got so many young guys here. So that's going to be important that you get a coach that's good at developing them. But I think when you look at you, you have to go with somebody who has proven that they can coach at the NHL level. Like that's just a must. You have to do it, and you can't you can't tap into these guys who have been out of out of coaching for a few years and expect for them to come into Columbus and make a difference and not just be total pieces of shit. Like I heard somebody, I think I think Dylan Tire, who I appreciate and respect, I think he had mentioned Mike Babcock's name at some point, and I was like, what the hell, dude? Like, there's no way, like, there's no way this guy who is criticized for treating younger players like Mitch Marner like shit is going to be brought into a situation where you're dealing with a ton of younger players. Like there's no way like that. I, I would be cool with that. And so those guys, I don't have on my list. I think obviously like there are some coaches that are out there that could potentially lose their jobs. If the Rangers end up losing in the first round, obviously we'll know by the time this episode comes out on Tuesday. Uh, I think, I think they play on Monday. I think the Rangers and the Devils play on Monday. And if, if the Rangers lose that game, then Gerard Gallant might be a coach that's available. Gerard Gallant was somebody that the Jackets were talking to when Brad Larson was hired. And eventually, obviously, he lands in New York. But if they let if they part ways with him because they don't have the playoff success that they expected this year, then that's the guy that I think the Jackets look at. I think I would like to see the Jackets maybe make a little bit of noise for, you know, in terms of maybe hiring, you know, the, the Finnish national coach. Uh, oh, God. Gallinen is his last name. I can't remember his first name, but um, as an associate head coach or as like an assistant head coach, like I'd like to see maybe that happen. But I think generally speaking, if you're looking at who's going to be the bench boss, it's got to be somebody who has experience. It's got to be somebody who's proven themselves before. Somebody who I'm actually a little bit curious about is uh, Kevin Deneen, who has not proven himself on the NHL level. So let me say that I'm like talking all this shit. And then here I am like being like, well, maybe, uh, but he's had a lot of success at the AHL level. He's a great head coach. He's a former Blue Jacket. So I don't know. That's a, that's another name that just came to me as we were talking about this. But somebody who can show that he can work with guys that are developed – or they. Um, somebody who can show that they can work with younger guys who just need need a little bit of a kick in the ass. 
got a coach that's not afraid to call out a veteran and a coach that's, you know, ultimately ready to win. Got to have someone who is going to bring a locker room presence for the Blue Jackets. And like you said, not just be able to address the veterans in the room to make sure that they're taking a look in the mirror, especially during the off season, but also to your point can help the rookies or help the younger players along in their development. And this year, the Blue Jackets iced 20 players who are classified by the NHL as rookies. And so there is a lot, a lot of room for development and a lot of players who need develops on that squad for next season. So having the right person in there is going to make a lot of difference. And so for you, when you think about the team that exists as is right now, there's no current head coach and who knows when that news will come along. But for you, what is your biggest takeaway from this Blue Jacket season? Huh. Pain? No. Um, <laughs> I think my biggest takeaway is that there are players who have it a winning mentality within them and there are players that need some help finding it. I think that that's my biggest takeaway. I think that we have gaps that exist in a way that I don't know that I knew they existed before this season. I think goaltending was something that I think people in Columbus felt okay about going into this year. You had Elvis Merzlikens, you had Jonas Corposalo, and then you had Daniil Tarasov as your three. And as of right now, Jonas Corposalo just finished his year in LA, played respectively for them. You look at Elvis and you look at Tarasov, and frankly, I don't know that you have an NHL starting goaltender in that pair right now. I'm not saying that they can't, it can't get there, but when you think about how much these two have been injured, when you think about how inconsistent their play has been, I just can't imagine a scenario where anybody feels comfortable about that. And so the takeaway is like, there's more work to be done on this team than I think people thought there was back when the season started. And I think the other thing is that you can tell the guys who know how to win. You can tell the Boone Jenners, Johnny Goudreau. I mean, listen, that guy was the only jacket on the ice some nights and it's because he was sick and fucking tired of losing. And so I think for a lot of reasons, he's somebody who has that mentality you know, you've got other guys too, right? But I think when you look at some of these players, you have to wonder if they know what it means to win and if they even have have the gumption to want to win. And I won't call them out specifically, but I mean, I think people know who I'm talking about when you look at this team. And I think that that has to change. And I think part of that has to do with coaching. And I think some of that can be learned. But I think this team has some guys that need to learn how to win. And they can't do that while they're losing. And so that's why this next season is so important. So what changes during the offseason, right? Like you just mentioned that there might have to be a mentality change, but beyond just a mentality change or a coaching change, right? What changes do you want to see happen, both as a fan of the fifth line, but also someone who's hosting this podcast, right? As someone who is looking more into the analytics side of things, who's looking more in depth and maybe has a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain, obviously not airing any dirty laundry here or anything like that, but just talking about changes that you want to see during the offseason for the Blue Jackets. What comes to mind? Yeah, you want me to tell some secrets? <laughs> no, I'm yeah, for sure. But I, um, yeah. they don't give. We don't know any secrets. Um, <laughs> but but I think 
I'm trying to decide if I want to be like overly specific or if I want to just like keep it 10,000 feet. I think you have to find another top four defenseman. I think there's conversation about the Jackets doing that through trading that first round pick that LA traded for, you know, Gavi and for, for Corpy. So I think that that's a real possibility. And that's something you want. It's not to say that you don't have guys that could develop into those. I mean, David Juracek is going to do that. Um, you know, Corson Kuhlman's might do that. Stanislav Sotsal has looked, looked pretty good. Like when he debuted and he looked really good in the WHL this year. So there are players who I think are going to develop into that, but for the time being, that is going to have to be something that I think the Jackets look for. You know, I don't know if that's coming in the form of free agency. I don't really think that there's a great free agent market for top four defensemen. I think you you're hopeful that some of these guys will develop, but you can't you can't guarantee it. I think they're going to have to also shed some weight there between guys like Adam Boquist or Jake Bean. Hell, I mean, like I like Nick Blankenberg, but like even when you start to look at this, like who are your bottom? Who are your who are your five through seven right now? And you have to decide who you want to hold on to. I mean, like even guys like Andrew Peak, I mean, like there's just so many players on that blue line that frankly, like, are they what we think they are? And so that has to change. There has to be something there. They need to go get another goaltender. They need a veteran goaltender. I don't think they should do it. Um, but what what would happen if they re-signed Corpy, right? Like it's not outside of the realm of possibility. I don't think they should. Let me say that again. They won't do it. But like you need a guy like that who has played in the NHL before and you need a guy who's proven that he can do it. And there are going to be guys out there. There are going to be guys on the trade market. And so we'll see if they do it. I, I think they also need to figure out what they're going to do about players like Emil Bemstrom, Liam Foody, Jack Roslovic. I mean, Jack Roslovic had every single opportunity to become a top six forward on this team this year. and just never was consistent enough to make it happen do you hold on to him or do you find a way to get rid of him while he still has some value? Like there's just so much in terms of we've got log jams of players that are not at the top of the lineup that we've got to figure out what to do with. Last year, when I asked you this question, Jeremy, did I say something about Jack Ross? Am I going to be so pissed off? No, you said, and I quote, Yarmo will make a trade that nobody sees coming in July, two months later the Blue Jackets signed Johnny Goudreau. Yeah. So my question for you is, are you psychic? And if so, what is your psychic prediction for what Yarmo will do next? Speak it into existence for everybody. Well, I guess to be fair, though, I said trade. And I guess that wasn't a trade. But I, I appreciate it. I appreciate your your generosity there. Um, I think – hold on. Let me like, get my magic ball here. I think I said this on our last episode, like the Jackets are going to trade for Kevin Hayes. Like I can feel that in my bones. I will be very shocked if they don't do that, but that feels like that's not really psychic. I think that's just like reading. Um, And then I think. Who shit. Now I'm like trying to like big brain it. And I just want to be like stupid. Right. Like I just want to like, well, the pressure is on now. I've put the, the pressure and the ball in your court or the, the puck on your side, if you will. I know. So I feel like, you know, the the pressure is definitely heightened now that you've mentioned what you did last year. Um, and I also have a quote for Laura that you'll probably be interested in uh, hearing when the episode oh, is for I, her answer from last season, too. So I can't uh, wait. Was she equally a psychic or was she... She was almost equally a psychic. Yeah. Oh, that was very amazing. interesting. Yeah. You all made some good uh, predictions and had some good thoughts to share for that question. 
Okay, but let me actually answer it. Um, so I think Kevin Hayes for sure, but I think um I think the jackets are probably going to part ways with two out of three players. And they're the three that I just said. They're Emil Bemstrom, Jack Rosovic, and Liam Foodie. Out of those three, I think two of them will not be in the organization when the puck drops in October. That's my magic eight ball. And I would say the same thing about on the on the defensive side of things. I think when you look at players like Jake Bean and Andrew Peak and Nick Blankenberg, and like you're going to lose somebody there too. So there's going to be the Jackets are going to push out more than they take in this year. I think. Last year, the player that underperformed for you was Emil Bemstrom. So interesting that his name is now coming back around in this conversation after this season for the Blue Jackets, or that might not be a surprise to many people. But maybe on the opposite end of that spectrum, right? Talking about, again, much as the same as last year, untouchables heading into the offseason. I don't know how many there are outside of ones that have signed longer-term contracts for the Blue Jackets. But for you, are there any untouchables that you would love to see staying with the Blue Jackets organization next year? And the list got smaller this year. I'll tell you that. Um, I would say your untouchables as of right now are Johnny Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, Karel Marchenko, um, Zach Wierenski. And then when you when you start to get down into guys that maybe weren't NHL regulars this year, like David Juracek is untouchable. I think that I would even go so far as to say that maybe I feel like Stanislav Fotel is untouchable. But you could convince me on him. Uh, if you if you packaged him the right way, but like for for me, like those are the those are the players that are are the untouchables, right? I don't I don't put Patrick Laine on that list right now. I don't put you know Adam Boquist on that list right now, or really anybody <laughs> um, outside of those players. I mean, Elvis is on that list. Tarasov is on that list. I mean, like that list has a lot of people, um, or I guess I should say the the touchables. Don't like that. Let me not say that. Um, <laughs> the folks who could potentially be on their way out is probably a lot longer of a list this year than, than it was last year. So we'll leave it there. And we'll be sure not to clip you saying that um, for sure. Um, so as a final question of the second period here for us, we're going to talk about May 8th. We have to talk about May 8th. We can't not talk about May 8th for the draft lottery for the Blue Jackets and the potential that exists for a big day for the organization. But I have to ask if the Blue Jackets do not land at spot number one and they do not get Connor Bedard, what position do you want the Blue Jackets to draft in this year's draft? Whether they're pick one, two, three, or four, obviously if they're not pick number one though, at pick two, three, or four, what position do you want the Blue Jackets to draft? Center. It's got to be a center. And I mean, like you have that op- you have that ability, right? This year, you know, you can fall down to down to four. Like the Blue Jackets have the opportunity to, and more than likely they probably will. And you're gonna 
be a okay, right? Like I, those guys exist there. You've got a player like Connor Bedard who is incredible, and if if he doesn't find a way, if the Jackets can't draft him, you've also got players out there like Adam Fantilli. Adam Fantilli is is really great. He's got an elite set of skills. He is just he's going to be a an elite player in the league. And so if you can find a way to get him, that's great. If you fall down to third, I think you look at players at that point, like a Leo Carlson, he could be somebody who's kind of like an, like an all-star type. I think there are players like Will Smith who, who really probably their stock is going up a bit. There, there are plenty of players here for the jackets in that top four that they could take a center and and be pretty happy with it and more than likely you're drafting a top six center there for the foreseeable future of your franchise and that's a good opportunity so you know you hope it's Connor Bedard then you hope it's Adam Fantilli but then if it's not Adam Fantilli and if it's not Connor Bedard Leo Carlson Will Smith they could all they could all make a pretty big impact in Columbus pretty quickly the hope is definitely for pick number one we'll have to see how things shake out here come May 8th but we're gonna head into our second oh yes absolutely no so, I, just, I was just saying three like i think they're gonna pick third i think i think we're gonna i think somebody's gonna jump up in the lottery and get either one or two and then i think anaheim is probably gonna fall to two and the jacket's gonna fall to three but it's not impossible we'll see what happens not impossible so we'll see what comes of that but we'll now head into our second intermission this year i have something a little bit different for you all a new segment that I'm going to call slap shots and it's Ooh. five rapid fire questions. That oh, I'm going to yeah, okay. you. And so not too much in-depth answer. Right. Um, we can come back to the end if you really want to expand on anything, but we'll rattle off these slap shots and see what your thoughts are. So if this season was a memoir, what would be the title? Walking on broken glass. Over under. Will the Jackets win more than 37 games this upcoming season? Oh, man. Uh, God, ask me on May 9th. Um, under. Who wins in a hockey fight, Boomer or Stinger? Boomer. Fuck yeah, Boomer. If you could interview one member of the Blue Jackets organization, who would it be? Oh, this sounds like I'm sounding like an asshole because I feel like the fir- the people who I would have on my list first are people that we have, and that's really fucking cool. <laughs> like, um, the organization? Define, orga- define organization. So you all just had a great interview, actually, um, with Catherine Dobbs. And yeah. so she is a wonderful member of the Blue Jackets organization, a big part of the organization. So mm-hmm. players or other members of the organization as a whole, um, even down to like Traverse City prospects that you all had a, an opportunity to interview as well, which we'll come back to all the fantastic names that you've interviewed. But anyone that you haven't interviewed yet, who would you interview? I would love to, and the only reason I say like define organization is because I don't technically know who employs them. I can't remember if it's the Jackets or if it's Bally, but I would love to interview Jeff Rimmer or Jody Shelley. Like they're like on my list of people that I think would be really cool to talk hockey with and talk the Blue Jackets with, uh, especially Jeff Rimmer. Jeff Rimmer's 
cool cool so so i those are the two that i would have on my list right now but there are a lot of others that come to mind but those are the two that jump out at first love it and finally yes or no will exit interviews take place in june of 2024 no it's gonna be may it's <laughs> That was a good question. That was a good way to ask that question. <laughs> Thank you. I tried. The past two years, they've been in, well, now April, um, but last year took place in May. So, you know, the <laughs> hope, obviously, is that we won't have to do these exit interviews until June someday. But that is the end of our slap shots. So what I want to head into now is our final period of action um, and talking about the podcast, subjectively speaking, as a whole. And so to start off, kind of like what we were just mentioning um, in one of those questions, some of the interviews that you all got to do this year since the last exit interview that we did last year in May have been incredible. To mention Traverse City that you all got to go to and interview a lot of the prospects and people there. You all got to interview General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen. You all had to interview Rick Nash, Boone Jenner. Bob McElhaney from the Center Ice Foundation, Andrew Peak, Bucket Hat Kyle of CBJ Artillery, <laughs> and most recently, Catherine Dobbs. And again, as last year, I'm not going to ask who your favorite interview was because we're not going to play favorites here because they're all great in their own right. But for you, some of your favorite moments from interviewing those folks and some great insights that you got from them, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, wow. Um, I got shit. Like, I don't know. Like, you kind of like forget or downplay like that stuff sometimes, but I think it's been a really fucking cool year. Um, I, I think the thing about it that I take away that's like the coolest about it though is you like start to develop relationships with these people, right? I mean, especially like people like Catherine, like you, you start to develop relationships and, and you talk to these people and you realize just how good their soul is, even outside of what they do for work. And you realize just how fortunate you are to get to to share some space with them to talk about the thing that you love the most i think the thing that i have always been so impressed with in terms of everything every interview we've ever done has been we have never had a horror story guest right like and if we had i know we wouldn't talk about it right but i think like it's fair to say that there has not ne i've never walked away from an interview feeling like the person I just talked to wasn't a great guy, great person. And that's like the reality of Columbus hockey, right? Like the reality of Columbus hockey is that like you're talking to really, really good guys, really, really great women, really great people. Every time you have a guest on, I mean, I, Yarmo Kekalainen is a very stoic man. He is also an incredibly nice, nice man. I don't know if we've ever told this story on the podcast or not, Maybe we have. I know we've we've told people, but there was a miscommunication in in scheduling that interview with Yarmo. Uh, we we're supposed to do it, I think, on a Friday, and of course, like it was a couple of weeks before the draft, right? Like it was it was busy season for sure. And the organization reached out and they were like, "That hey, like our fault, like on this, like Yarmo wants to talk to you guys tomorrow." And that's the kind of thing where it's like, you just like a general manager of an NHL hockey team is like, let, let's reconnect tomorrow and, and give this podcast our time of day. Like that's, that's the kind of people that we interview, right? Rick Nash, 
such a good guy. Like just such a good guy. And a guy who has every right to be an egotistical jerk because he is Columbus hockey. Like he is the reason that Columbus maintained its, its relevance in the early parts of their, of their years. And he has his number hanging for a reason. And what an incredible guy. Everybody who's making hockey happen around the Blue Jackets, like you just said, the people like Catherine or, or Bob, like those are people who are just good people. Like that's just the takeaway, right? It's like the, all that kind of stuff. And Kyle. God, I love Kyle. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I laughed when you said his name because it's like, you're not wrong. Like Kyle obviously is a guest on our show and and definitely is a name in his own right with the artillery, but he's just such like he's somebody who I would consider like one of my better friends at this point in life. Right. Like he's just such a good dude. And so we're just lucky to have really great people. Like, I think if you're somebody who listens to our show and you wonder like what these interactions are like with these people that we talk to before and after we hit record, like they are just as as genuine and kind and, uh, and compassionate of people as they are when you talk to them, when you hear them talk on the radio or whatever, like they're just really great people. If you want to go back and listen to the interview that, subjectively speaking, with Laura and Jeremy, that they did with Yarmo Kekalainen, it was back during the offseason. It was a draft day special, episode 122. So if you're interested in going back and listening to that, I'll plug that episode number. Come on. Here. Let's go. Let's go. Love it. Um, last year, during exit interviews, Jeremy, you said that you were 13 or 14 years old when you called in to a radio station, or maybe it was another episode. I can't remember. When you called <laughs> in to a radio station to ask Rick Nash a question. So from 13 or 14-year-old Jeremy asking a radio question to speaking with the man in person, reflect on that for a second. What does that mean to you? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's everything, right? I mean, like, I think that that's the kind of thing that I literally never could have expected. I think to have that opportunity and to hand, like, to not freak out about it. Like, I feel like I handled myself pretty well. I, I think that, you know, I am somebody who has obviously never played hockey. People who listen to our show know that. Um, but I think the thing about it is like, I feel like I know what I'm talking about most of the time. You put me in front of Rick Nash, and I'm like, what's the puck? What's the puck? What's the stick? You know what I mean? Like, that was like, I just found it was mush, right? But but no, I, I think it went well. And I think, you know, just to be able to have that conversation and to, to be able to share an airwave with and to do something that is deserving enough or, like, relevant enough for the time of day of a guy like that, I don't think that Laura and I ever expected that we were going to be doing stuff like this when we started recording these post-game little recaps. And it's just gotten to a place. I remember we used to talk about how, like, we were like, well, maybe one day we'll have, like, a, a Cleveland player on. Like, maybe one day we'll, like, do that. And not to say that I wouldn't love to have those guys on, but, like, it has just been – we fly really close to the sun at times. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, wow. Like, this is hard to believe. But it means everything. It, like, that's like a hot, that's like a sports idol, right? I mean, like – that's the first hockey jersey I ever had was a 61 Rick Nash jersey. That's the first player that I remember idolizing in any sport, really. I mean, outside of maybe Carson Palmer and fuck me for that. But like, I I think that's the kind of stuff that you just, it still doesn't feel like it was real, to be completely honest. Well, it was very real 
along with some of the other amazing accomplishments that this podcast experienced and milestones that you all hit over this past year, including being the 2022 Columbus Podcast Awards Entertainment Podcast of the Year. You all recorded your 150th episode, celebrated your second birthday, and not to mention that you all have 62 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and 11 five-star reviews on Spotify. So a lot of amazing things to reflect on. And, you know, hearkening back to the conversation that we had earlier about the fact that you got to go to the international game in Finland between the Blue Jackets and the Avalanche. And so there have been a lot of amazing moments to reflect on for the podcast for this year. But much as we did last year, too, I want to ask you about going forward, your vision for the future for this next year between this exit interview and next exit interview, no matter what the season brings for the blue jackets for this podcast specifically, what's your vision for this next year or what expectations do you have for you and Laura and for this awesome thing that you all have going on right now? Yeah. I mean, it's another, it's going to be another year of good things, right? I mean, like we're going to, I was like doing the math in my head. I'm like, when do we hit episode 200? I'm like, it's good. Is it going to be off season or is it going to be like right at the start of the regular season? So, I mean, we're going to do that. We're going to celebrate another birthday in January. Like there's things like that, that like are just like going to happen. Like that's just like how time works. But then there's, there's stuff that Laura and I have talked about a little bit and I hope I'm not oversharing, but like thinking about like how can we be more intentional with our content and and record things that we are excited about and not to say that we haven't been excited about the stuff that we're recording but I mean listen like this team was hard to talk about this year and so I think like finding those things outside of just what's happening on the ice to talk about and to bring to people is really important for us it always has been but I think that I'm really like hoping that that is even more so the case in in 23-24 you know I think somebody somebody recently referred to us as like our 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 home like where we make make space for ourselves in this sport and and in you know this blue jackets fandom is like by being the storytellers right i think it's it's one thing for us to get on here and talk about how the jackets performed and to say you know this guy's having a rough stretch this guy's on fire and that's fun, but I think Laura and I both really just enjoy those moments of getting into the game and talking about the people that make it happen and talking about the people who have inspired a lot of really cool things and are doing a lot of really cool things with within the sport and and around the sport. Those are the things that I really want us to focus on moving forward, uh, you know, getting those opportunities to do that more often, spread some love, spread some messages about about some people who are really dope doing really cool work and just talk about the behind the scenes thing. I think people enjoy that. Like I think people enjoy the humanization of of this sport and of these people because these these are people who have celebrity right but like they're they're normal people they're normal stories like they're just really cool people who are doing really cool things and they just happen to be in a spot like they are and i we love telling those stories like it's it's just a lot of fun and it has been a lot of fun reflecting back on you know all of those interviews that you've been able to do with fantastic members of the blue jackets organization but also like you said people around columbus to use your words and to use their words that make hockey happen. Right. And so to end our exit interviews for today, I would like for you to give a message 
to the Blue Jackets organization as a whole for the offseason, for this upcoming season, a message that you have for the Blue Jackets? Bring Boomer back. Bring him back. <laughs> bring him back. No. Um, I think so, but nevertheless, I know Laura does not think so, but I love him. Uh, I think my message for the organization, and I think like I really resonated with the fact that Catherine was so inclusive of the fifth line when she talked about like the organization, right? And so I'm going to be inclusive of them in this too. Is I think I just feel like this is going to be a summer where so much is happening, and there's so much you know, confusion or so much doubt or so much challenge related to the decisions that have to be made within this team, within this franchise. And I think the thing that I care about the most going into this offseason is that this team doesn't sacrifice its future in order to be better next year than this year. I think they're going to naturally be better next year than this year because of injuries. But I think the biggest thing for me is, like, don't sacrifice the future for now. I would much rather have this team miss the playoffs next year and go on some Stanley Cup runs over the course of the five years that follow than I would have them make the playoffs and, and win around or, or you know, get beat in the first round for a few years and then, like, fall back into the cycle again. Like, I would much rather see this team stay the course, don't panic. Clearly, you look around and you see that these folks – that are engaged with this team and care about this team are going to be here. We're going to stick around. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't do this for three, four, five years. Then that's when things start to get a little difficult, but, but don't sacrifice the future for now. Don't sacrifice the future for now. And similarly, I think it's also worth saying being excited for the future is not disrespectful to the past. And if there are, if there are players, if there are things that can't be here anymore because it means better things for the future, then I'm all for it. I make it happen. I have no doubt in my mind that Yarmo. I, I have a lot of faith in Yarmo. I know people have a lot of questions about, you know, is he somebody who should also be on the hot seat? But I think my thing is continue to have faith in the people who are in their roles because most of them are the best people who have ever been in these roles for this franchise and might be the best people who have ever been in these roles for this franchise for a considerable amount of time. So enjoy the ride. Enjoy it. And don't stress too much about what's going to happen because I think at the end of the day, we're all going to be happy with where this team ends up in five years. Some amazing insights. I've hit you with a lot of questions, but those are all the ones that I have for our exit interview today. So I think from what you have talked about in today's conversation, there were a lot of downsides to this season but there is so much potential for the future of this organization and so much to look forward to not just during this offseason but also next season as a whole crossing our fingers that everyone stays healthy i think it could definitely be a little bit of a turnaround season for the blue jackets but that does it for all the questions that i have for our exit interview with jeremy and so I know that we'll be talking with Laura here soon today, but that you all will be hearing that episode a little bit later on in the week. But that'll wrap it up for me and Jeremy, and I'll let you take it away. I was going to say, are you extending my contract for next year? Am I getting a contract extension? 
I think you get the contract extension automatically, right? You're the host, you're the host of the show, so I, I mean, that your contract's already pretty much set in place. I mean, hey, you never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stephen, as always, you know how much I appreciate you coming on and doing this, and and anytime we get a chance to talk about hockey, and you're not going to talk about the Predators, it's you're always welcome. I, um, <laughs> yeah, Stephen is actually wearing his Blue Jackets merch, and I'm over here in, in a crew neck that's not a Blue Jacket shirt, but but yeah, I think you know. As I reflect on this season, I'd be remiss if I didn't also just say how much I appreciate everybody who has listened to the show this year, how much I am excited for what's to come. And there we, we've got content coming over the summer, but some of that stuff is pre-recorded so that we could take some time to recharge and refuel and and be ready for what's to come because we want to always continue to give you the best. And uh, the reason that we're able to continue to give you the best is because, you know, I also get a chance to co-host this podcast with the best and I get a chance to, to work with Laura on, on this show that I don't think either one of us ever thought was going to be where it's at right now. And to say, you know, I, every time I upload an episode and I have to type in what episode number it is, I always just kind of like get this overwhelming sense of like, Holy shit. Like, have we really recorded a hundred and this is 178. Have we really done this 178 times? And uh, the answer to that question is, yeah, like we have, and even actually a couple more that haven't like been released. And so it's, it's just like, mind-blowing to think that we have, we have stuck with it for this long and that we have continued to grow and develop not only as you know people who are doing this podcast and podcasters and whatever have you but just as friends too I mean like I just Laura I know you're listening to this I know I'm not I know you're listening to this and uh, I have to say just how much I appreciate and adore you and how grateful I am for our friendship and uh, how grateful I am that I get to do this with you every every week and I can't wait to keep doing it for as long as we can possibly hit record on Streamyard. So I love you friends and I appreciate you and I I can't wait to to get going. I'm like now I'm like done with my one time I don't have to record this episode this podcast with you. So I feel much better now that I don't have to worry about that for another year. But Steven, you're a really great replacement. Like you're here a really great fill in. So I appreciate you. I can never be a replacement for Laura. Let's just make that very you clear to be. everybody. But you as a stand-in interviewer, I I can, you know, do my very best, but no one can replace Laura. That's for sure. Correct. Absolutely. Well, um, speaking of replacing Laura, I'm about to have to with <laughs> wrapping this show up. But before I wrap up stuff, Stephen, do you have anything that you want to plug? Do you want to plug your socials or anything like that on the way out? Um, there's not really too much to tell. I haven't been too active on social recently, but if you do want to follow any of the sports that I follow, which is mostly just retweeting and liking a bunch of uh, content related to soccer, specifically English Premier League or elsewhere. But I also follow along with hockey and all sports. So sports of all sorts, follow at Steven underscore Shrek on Twitter. That's where I'm the most active. Um, and so, yeah, who knows next year at this point, I may be talking about hitting up a game or two down for the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh um, yeah, to Charlotte, which they're not in Charlotte, but you know it's in the same state, so um, might have some more insight into you know games there if the Blue Jackets visit and play there. I might have to try to get to a game or two, but um, yeah, you can you can find me there. And for video content, my at is down there. I learned that from last time at the exit interviews. I think someone mentioned it and said that. 
I should uh, put my social as my name there. And so I've done that and uh, did that there, but not too much to tell in the way of that. So I think that's all I have to plug for my end. Well, I have to tell you too, when you're in Charlotte, uh, the Bojangles Coliseum is where the Charlotte Checkers play. And they're the AHL affiliate of the Florida Panthers, which is confusing. You would have thought that they would have been their Carolina Hurricanes affiliate, but they're not. So check out Bojangles Coliseum. My favorite name for a hockey arena, I have to tell you. Um, they call it they they call it the biscuit. Like they call it like because it, it, really? it's kind of yeah, it's kind of shaped like when I went to a game there when I was in Charlotte last year. Uh, and it's it's fun. I went to an AHL playoff game there, and it's a, it's a good place to see a game. So go check it out for sure. It's a good time. I'll have but to go check out the biscuit for sure. Go go to the biscuit. <laughs> but all right, folks. Well, that's gonna do it for this one. We appreciate you tuning in and. As always, you can stay locked into everything that we're doing by following us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or no, not Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok at uh, Subjectively Speaking. You can find us online at www.subjectivelyspeaking.com. And if you're looking to pick up some sweet new merch coming into the new season, uh, there will be new designs coming soon. So get excited for that. That is www.subjectivelymerch.com. And we appreciate all, all of your reviews, all of your feedback, all that kind of stuff. So please feel free to hit us up on wherever you listen, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts by leaving us a review. You know, Listen, we don't know why it matters, uh, except for the fact that it makes us happy, but we appreciate it when you do it. So leave us a five-star review if you're feeling so inclined. Um, and then other than that, we just really appreciate you all so much. And we can't wait to, to keep it going this off season. And until we get the chance to talk to you all next time, make sure you take care of yourselves. You take care of one another and we will talk to you soon. Bye. I have to do it. I don't know. I don't know if I can have, okay. Bye. <laughs>